Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3G IQ Podcast. I'm joined here today with Frank Gao. He's a captain in the Marine Corps. He started his own shooting team aboard Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune, and we're going to be sitting down and discussing the steps and processes that it took him to actually get this team going. Frank, can you kind of talk about everything you've been doing? Sure thing. So... I wrote my order all the way back in around August and September of last year, and it is currently being reviewed. Um, So for context, I am stationed at 8th Comm Battalion, um, but we are part of the 2MEF Information Group, and I established a shooting team underneath the 2MEF Information Group, or 2MIG for short, that umbrella to give us access to more resources. So it's been a long road of advocacy uh, since we've started. We are about to send 18 shooters to the McMick East. We have done two live fire sessions. We have done uh, countless dry fire sessions at the armory. And we've also gone and participated in some civilian competitions out in town. And for those who are wondering, McMick East is Marine Corps Marksmanship Competition East, which is about to start next week. Uh, I believe the Marine Corps shooting team is down there right now. Um, and they just handled the check-in process today. Um, So, Frank, how did you, when going about this whole process, how did you convince your command to allow you to start a team? So, yes, and that's, winning that approval is going to be the first major step. So your salesmanship needs to be on point. What I would go with is the three tenets that I I went with, uh, marksmanship proficiency, leadership development, and personal pride and motivation. So marksmanship proficiency, that's a gimme, right? Being a rifleman and being proficient weapons is intrinsic to our identity as United States Marines. Everyone is like on the enlisted side, you got the cross rifles and every Marine a rifleman is part of our ethos. But also, you can articulate that now that we've switched to ARQ, which is a much more demanding course of fire, those scores are required for promotion and they're tied to the objective scores for JPEZ. So if Marines want an easier time to getting promoted, and they need to work on their marksmanship and go to the range once a year for ARQ is not going to cut it. The next thing I would focus on is leadership development. If you're going to start a shooting team, uh, you need to work on the part of yourself as an instructor, but you're also going to need some buddies who are also good instructors. Teaching and coaching each other and mentoring each other are all components of leadership. And the last part is personal pride and motivation. You get a chance to go out and compete for some medals, whether it be in civilian competitions or at the MCMIC. You're going to establish some discipline uh, with training with the weapon, being serious about developing weapons proficiency, 
And with that always comes a sense of accomplishment. Awesome. No, uh, I wish, you know, I've said this before. I wish this program was sold the way it is now back when I first came in, you know, I didn't even know the Marine Corps had a shooting team up until 2014, but you know, here I am. And here we are as a Marine Corps and we've increased the knowledge and abilities of, you know, thousands of Marines uh, to where they're achieving all those tenants. Um, you know, we spoke about it on a previous podcast. Uh, we're issuing out six medals a week almost. That's, that's awesome. You know, we would have never seen that before. Um, to go on though, um, so you, you obviously did all these steps, your, your salesmanship skills were on par. Um, how did the command react to it? Um, how favorable were they, you know, were they, were they hesitant at times? Yeah. So every command is going to want to know the legal side of it, like the order side of it, and also risk mitigation. So in terms of the nitty gritty, the Marine Corps order 5300 series, the physical security order, if you pull that up and you control F the word competition, you're going to find a clause in there that says that a commander can release up to 15 small arms and ammunition for competitions, training, et cetera, off base. And therein lies your, um, your, your ability to use government weapons and ammunition for civilian competitions. Um, another part of it is just understanding how many weapons your, organ your unit organically has. For example, Comb Battalion does not have that many pistols, and it's part of the reason that I drove to create the team at the MIG level. Uh, in terms of transportation, weapons, and ammunition, you got to be—you have to be very familiar with your local installation order. So it's going to be under the same order, the 5300 series. It's physical security deals with everything, the, the movement of weapons and ammunition. So for Mickey E specifically, you need to know things like, hey, if I go beyond 85 miles from base, then I need the uh, I need the base CG's approval. Um, but if you have all that down, like if your commander asks you, hey, what's the what's the what authorizes this? And you say, hey, sir, it's this order. It's in this clause. I'm going to copy and paste it for you. And uh, additionally, I have this RM. There's this match coming up. And I would like, um, here's the LOI in draft form. If uh, I've already had the staff review it, if you do all that legwork, then it's going to be easier. You're going to give, you're going to give your boss an easier uh, time saying yes to you. No. Awesome. Um, so, so you got it started. You have uh, the CEO's recommendation. You're approved uh resources obviously it takes resources logistical uh logistical requirements in order to actually go out and train compete and have everything organized to where you can accomplish everything you're trying to accomplish what did you do in order to meet those requirements So the first thing is do in the research phase, um, you kind of look at where 
like you want your first event to be, and then you got a back plan. So it, it's the Marine Corps. Everything has a lengthy timeline. Your ammunition request is going to take a long time. Uh, requesting a govy is going to take some time. You got to make sure that you have ammo tech and an ammo driver. Uh, I mentioned before looking at your unit TE and seeing how many weapons are available or being used for something else. Like you don't want to schedule your range at the same time as, say, for example, Sergeant Major's post and relief because you're going to have a bad time and he's probably going to win out over you. Um, so just uh, looking into the actual logistics, those timelines, um, planning, planning a range happens a lot in the Marine Corps. There's lots of POA plans of actions and milestones and planning guides, talking to people who've done it before. Um, but that, that's, that, those are, those are all, um, and I would also say looking into range control regulations as well, becoming like uh, Marine Corps range control certified myself helped. And I know like certain bases, well, most bases, you know, like on the, on the Marine Corps shooting team, I can schedule ranges six months out, no problem, but you won't really find that anywhere else. I know uh, the school of infantry, I believe they can only schedule ranges three months out as a user, a unit uh, at, at the unit level, battalion level below, you're realistically what looking at maybe 30 days out. And by that time, a lot of ranges are already booked. So you kind of have to have that initial plan. You know, this is my first course of action. This is my secondary course of course of action and here's my tertiary if i can't get this i'm going to use this if i can't get this then i'm going to go here so it's kind of recognizing what range control allows what you can do on those specific ranges what are what are your restraints and your constraints and how can i make this all come together at the end of the day make sense a am i right and that's sur surmise synopsis yeah no that yeah that's that's absolutely on on point and I would even say, like, if you got your command behind you and you have a course of fire that you want to make work, just go to range control and say, like, hey, I want to I want to do barricade shooting with steel targets out to like 500 yards. Um, we've requested alpha, um, alpha Alpha 40 frangibles. Uh, so what what can we do? And the range control on Camp Lejeune, they've actually been extremely helpful when you go to them with all your ducks in a row, they'll be like, oh, okay, um, let's see this range, this range, and this range would work. This range already has been reserved by SOI or Grand Battalion. So I think this one will work for you. This is the one that we uh, recommend. Uh, you're going to have to work with them anyway, because if you're doing anything outside of just firing along the primary direction of fire, they are going to need a special range request. And they're, they're going to want to go out and look at your setup, whether it's steel or whether you got movement. Um, just making sure that you're uh, completely within left and right lateral limits, uh, but they'll work with you. And it's better to, it's better to talk to those people sooner rather than later. And, and not only that, I'll add this in, you know, when dealing with, when, when you're dealing with any type of movement, they automatically start thinking fire and maneuver fire and movement. And so they're thinking that you're going to be in flak and Kevlar. Uh, which is not the case because, you know, a lot of the competitions we go out and shoot, we're not wearing a flak and Kevlar. So you're going to have to put in a special range request, you know, you know, allowing you not to utilize those, uh, the, the, those protective gear, the, the, that protective gear. So it, it does take that planning um, 
you do have to put the work in and you do have to communicate. Communication is going to save you at the end of the day. And if you have your ducks in a row, you're, you're not going to have an issue. It's just work that you have to put in. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely um, on point on that subject. Uh, if you want to run slick and you want to move around and shoot, that has to be signed off. Um, I think it was called an exemption um, or it's called a deviation that has to be signed off by the base CG. So mm -hmm. just understanding that timeline, I would say that and probably ammunition are the, uh, and the range request are the longest poles in the tent. Um, it, a general rule of thumb is to start on the things that are outside of your control as soon as you can. And then while all those things are moving, you can focus on the things that you and the control, uh, you, you and your unit can control, like developing your instructors, setting up barricades, like um, finding shooters for your range, all that other stuff. So with all that being said, what kind of relationships have you developed and how have you utilized those relationships to assist you along the way? So we started by talking about getting commander's approval, and that's a very important relationship. Uh, I would say that your ability, like, I, I would say do most of your conversations over the phone or in face-to-face. Uh, -face. People, uh, people ignore emails, and also things are misconstrued over emails. And I just don't think it's a very effective way of communication, even though um, it is it is the most convenient way of communication. So in general, uh, your CEO, uh, the S4, because the armory, ammunition requests, your transportation requests, you're going to need to go through them. The S3 is going to want to know as well, because you're reserving ranges and um, that that range is going to fall under the umbrella of operations. Uh, on my side, some of the contacts I've had, I mean, it, you, Matt, I, I talked to you a lot about this and mm -hmm. you recommended um, Gunnar Archbell is over there in Camp Lejeune and he helped me a lot for my first range. Uh, he helped me draw up those SDZs and he said, hey, like I've worked with range control so many times. This is what I recommend if, I, if you want to make sure your plan goes through. And it did. And I would also say that my contacts, the Marine Corps shooting team helped a lot. Having Sergeant Cardenas and Nelson come down and help with that first, uh, first pistol range was very, uh, very helpful as well. And I would also say like make establish good relationships with people who know other people. Our dry fire routine, uh, we do every Tuesday and Thursday um, for the MIG shooting team from 11 to 13, just chow hours. And the way I worked that was my XO at my battalion knew the um, MEF support battalion XO. I believe they went to command staff together and we were able to work out a deal where we basically go and we draw stock pistols with holsters and magazines. Uh, and we just put up a bunch of IPSC targets on the side of the side of the armory. And we spent two hours dry firing. So those are, those are some examples. Like, I mean, we already talked about range control, having, having a good relationship with them. It's easier to establish that relationship if you go and see them in person rather than just be some random person over email. Um, but realistically, like it, it takes a village or rather a base to get this go going off the grounds. So yeah, relationships are key. And I'll even go and add some of my own personal experience. You know, whenever I came to the shooting team, uh, uh, I'm not going to say that the relationships with range control were bad, but they weren't the greatest. And, you know, range control is just, 
trying to do their job. They're trying to make sure everybody that is conducting a live fire range is being safe. So in order for that to for you to for them to do their job, you have to communicate your plan to them. They shouldn't be trying to pull information from you because if they're doing that, you your timeline is going to get backed up and then you you may not be able to achieve things. And so like the individual that, you know, I I I talk I talk to one of the leads at range control almost on a weekly basis and kind of give him updates. I, you know, we have become really good friends to the point now where on the Marine Corps shooting team, we kind of have free reign over what we do as long as we communicate it with him. I've gone as far as, hey, Marty, can I do a shotgun jungle run on this portion of the range here? Um, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's plan it. Tell me where you want to start. Tell me where you want to end. And two weeks later, we have a shotgun jungle run. And you might think two weeks along is a long time, but I didn't need it two weeks prior. I needed it two weeks later. So because I knew what I was trying to achieve and when I was trying to do it, and I had those planning steps and process, and I had those relationships built, I was able to go out there and achieve some of these uh, goals. So relationships are big things. You can't go in there uh, all the time with this alpha male attitude because having an alpha male attitude is going to hurt you more than help you. You have to be willing to work with people. Yeah, no, you're absolutely on point with that. The thing I would add is, you know, you said make it easy for range control to do their job and they want to do their job. In general, people like um, are our civilian counterparts and Marines themselves, they want to do their jobs. They want to see Marines succeed and they want to see them go to the field. And they want to see them uh, get good training. Uh, I'll quote my friend, uh, Jared Holmeyer, who you, you met out at yep. Panthera back in August. Um, he always said, if you want people to do things the right way, make it easy for them. And the way you make it easy for other people, like those organizations I mentioned, your S4, your S3 range control is you have your shit together. Uh, cause when, and, and also, like you said, you communicate it, if that happens, then you make your, you make, you make it easy for people to support you. It's like what I said with, um, uh, back in the beginning with initial momentum, when you have built something that works and that is tried and true, people are going to fall in line behind you. Um, if you come to somebody with a last minute plan, um, that's shaky, then that's a lot harder to work with and people there's no guarantee that people will jump through hoops in order to make your plan work people like ideas but they're not going to they're not going to make a decision based off of an idea they're going to make a decision based off of a solid plan yeah so, no, you're absolutely so, right so uh what resources did you utilize in order to get participation and develop interest from the marines and the command so um, I pushed up my order. My boss, uh, my battalion commander helped push it out to all the other battalion commanders just to solicit interest. And I will go ahead and say that blasting emails out over distros, which I have been doing for a very long time, trying to get Marines into competitive shooting, it works, but I don't think it's effective at all. Not all Marines have access to a computer 
Uh, distros are perpetually incorrect based on who's actually in the battalion at the time. Um, so in terms of actually getting the word out there, I didn't do it, but you could use a flyer. You could use social media. Just understand that like your flyers are going to go on read boards that are always cluttered up with other information. Social media is full of people vying for each other's attention. So really um, what I did uh, as, you know, I, I went back to my old stomping grounds at second Intel and I made direct pitches to Marines. I was like, Hey, like, I know you're a good Marine. Are you interested in being part of a shooting team? We are going to do one pistol range and one rifle range. We're going to do a bunch of dry fire sessions and we're going to get ready for the, uh, for the Marine Corps marksmanship competition that's coming up in March. And I want you to be on the team. And that was a lot more effective than sending emails into the void. Uh, I would also say some other things that you could do is um, if your if your battalion or your command already has social media presence, you could try to leverage that. If you know that Marines uh, congregate at a local match, might not be a bad idea to go out there and just ask the match director if you can talk to them about support for your uh, for your command sponsored shooting team and say like, hey. Right. And it's like, we're starting this. You get an opportunity to shoot for free. We're just need to put a little bit of effort in. Um, Comstrats out there, you could use them. Um, they, they can come up with some pretty good promotional materials. But from what I've seen, Comstrat is also really, really freaking busy. And you, um, have to get, you have to get your requests in well in advance. The communication has to be there in advance. And they're not going to necessarily do things for free for you. So there's some, you have to be able to offer them something and tell them the whys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then again, it is shooting. So my pitch was I, I, I campaigned pretty hard to try to get Comstrat Marines on the team proper. It's just that so many of them were busy with cold response and other competing priorities. However, um, I am in contact with someone from Comstrat who is, they're trying to send someone out to uh, take some pictures of us while we're out at the competitions at, uh, at the Marine Corps marksmanship competition East. So hopefully that, uh, that hope, yeah, hopefully that works out. And um, yeah, I would, when you are starting something, I think it, it's those face-to-face -face interactions are key. So I'd even consider like pushing out like, Hey, we're meeting, we're doing like an information session at these times in this conference room, show up if you're interested in shooting, like, have some snacks, have a little bit of coffee, you know, that, that tends to bring people in. Um, and then just pitch them your idea, like tell them directly, like, Hey, we are going to shoot. Uh, we're going to train together and we're going to go and try to win some medals at an upcoming competition. And a lot of Marines will be sold on that. So how do you plan on keeping this going? You yourself, you're, you have orders. Um, you're, you're going to be leaving. How, how is it that you plan on somebody becoming your successor and keeping the interest up with this program? So I am slated to leave Lejeune in July and I started thinking of my succession plan, honestly, back at the beginning of the year, but only now have I concretely like started talking to people about what my next step is. So we run into this all the time, right? Something good that unit's doing dies on the vine as soon as the guy or the gal leaves. Um, 
the Marine Corps doesn't keep people in one position for very long. You're going to leave after three years. And I would say that the, the manner in which you prepare a unit for your departure is also a fundament, fundamental aspect of leadership as well. So for, for me, um, this, a lot of this has been personally driven, right? Like my pistol proficiency is what has been driving our dry fire sessions. I sent myself up to SIG Academy for a week to uh, attend their instructor development course. And I came back with a lot of good knowledge, but they also pointed out a lot of good things about the way like I communicate and I interact with the audience. So I brought that uh, back and that's a lot of what I use. That curriculum is what I use to teach Marines uh, this past week when we were out at the uh, Verona loop ranges and we shot, we shot rifle for two days. Uh, so the next step is I'm, I'm picking multiple, uh, multiple people for OIC position. Um, got a couple of lieutenants that I'm grooming to take over that spot. And I'm going to bring them in and I'm going to share with them all my documents. I'm going to share with them my shooting team order. I'm going to share with them my range requests, my ammunition requests, all my timelines, like all this knowledge that I have about planning ranges and running this team has to go into these people so that they can continue without me. Um, on, the, on the junior Marine side, or I'd say the NCO side, the next evolution that we're going to do, we're going to shoot the Mick hopefully send some Marines to championships. And um, my plan is in May, I want to take some of the Marines that took coaching really well and had like good personalities, good enthusiasm. And I want to use them as instructors. Uh, we're going to take some time and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them uh, the latitude to come up with a period of instruction. We're going to do some murder boards. And then I'm probably going to use my company as a training audience. And we're going to go out to the range and we're going to have these Marines run the class. They're perfectly capable of it. NCOs can do great things. You just got to put them in the position to, to succeed. Um, so yeah, uh, just some things that I'm thinking ahead for, uh, for my, my exit this summer. Um, I want to see it stick around. Uh, I've put a lot of time and energy into this and I, I'm already seeing, I'm already seeing positive improvements from it. Marines are telling me like, Hey, like this is an awesome opportunity. I've learned so much in like the last three months. I'm excited for this Mi'kmaq. I'm excited to like test my skills, but I'm also excited for like this new, this new sense of weapons proficiency that I can now carry on for the rest of my life. Like I know how to practice on my own. I know what to look for. And I know there's competitions out there that I can go attend and continue to like develop as a shooter. No, that's awesome. Um, and I'm sure you, even after you leave, you're probably going to be kind of not necessarily keeping tabs, but you know, calling and, and talking to those individuals that kind of took, uh, took the reins of it and, and just to see the direction that it's going, because at the end of the day, it's something that you were pat, you are passionate about and you want to see it succeed. No, absolutely. It's been a passion project and I, I will definitely be looking back and checking up on Marines and, you, you know, uh, you and I were talking before this and you mentioned like, as an instructor, you, you form, you form a bond with some of your students Mm -hmm. um, because you watch them overcome obstacles. You watch them do things that they honestly never thought they could do before. And that's a very special and unique kind of interaction. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to be in touch with uh, many, many of the Marines on my shooting team. Um, but also 
personally vested in the uh, it's in its continued success because because i'm the one who started it no that's awesome so uh you know i i can't speak necessarily to camp pendleton never really been out there i know they have the san margarita gun club so that is a place and opportunity that's on base to where you can go shoot competitions but uh there are other places out there and if you reach out to me personally, I could put you in contact with the right people to, to find civilian matches in the local area there in Camp Pendleton um, because they were people that were on either on the team or were summer shooters on the team, and they still have that passion for going out there and competing. But uh, Camp Lejeune itself does have uh, a club in the area where you can compete at but then there are multiple clubs between USPSA and three gun that you can go out and compete. Uh, it's just going to take a little dedication of driving, you know, two, two and a half hours uh, at most where you're going to have to go out and drive. Um, can you, do you, can you name some off the top of your head? Uh, some of the clubs, obviously zombie shooters association right there in uh, outside of Camp Lejeune and in Hubert. Yeah, so off the top of my head, um, uh, forget the name of the range. BNR, BNR Guns runs a USPSA and also CQB. Um, they're up closer to Havelock. Uh, Clear Run Sports or Pineland Pistol Club. They operate out near Harrell's. Um, that's Tony Cowden's range. Mm -hmm. So they run USPSA. That's actually um, Matt Beam is the uh, match director for that. Right. Uh, he runs really good matches. Um, if you go further out West in Raleigh, it, it's a three hour drive, but I'll make the drive because it's yep. such a phenomenal match. Um, but Sir Walter gun club runs yep. probably one of the best matches. Like we get, we get, I saw major hijack there at a few, at a few of those matches. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he will drive all the way down from Quantico to go to Sir Walter, uh, is a testament to how well run that match is. So lots of opportunities in Lejeune. Uh, like Matt said, you guys, I mean, you, you'd have to travel, but get a few of your buddies and that's a great way to bond with your fellow Marines, like being stuck in a car together. That's one of your, some of your, uh, some of your best conversations come out. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of those matches are USPSA, uh, matches. Uh, but if you're interested in three gun where you shoot rifle, pistol, shotgun, you have, uh, Carolina Guns and Gear, which is, it's about a two and a half hour drive. It's in Franklinville, uh, Franklinville, North Carolina, right outside of uh, Asheboro. Um, I would say, hands down, the best three gun match uh, that you can go to within the state of North Carolina. And I mean, most ranges I've been, uh, Jason Byerly, who, who's running the Battle for the South, uh, through Zoo City Armory. Um, he is a genius when it comes to stage design. Uh, so you have that and you generate some of the best three gun shooters in the entire country from that match. Um, you also down at Ant Hill every fifth Sunday of the month when there is a fifth Sunday, they, uh, they do a three gun match there. I believe Jeff Pelton runs that match there. Um, so there, there are some multi-gun matches in the area that you can go to. ZSA also does a two-gun match. So there, there are resources. So, yeah, uh, um, so North Carolina's got a really good scene for competitive shooting. 
And a lot of these locations are away from Jacksonville, but that's not a bad thing to get out of Jacksonville. You're right. Actually, I would, I would heavily encourage it. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about how, oh, there's nothing to do in, in, in North Carolina. There's nothing to do in Jayville. And in some cases it's right, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into some, my own little personal history, you know, um, first I will say, you being stationed in a in a specific location is what you make of it. You're either going to have a really good time or a really bad time. And it really depends on what resources you utilize. You know, whenever I was stationed down there and I was down there for 13 years, which by any means is a long period of time. Granted, I jumped deployment to deployment to deployment because that's all I wanted to do. But hey, I was a volunteer firefighter for about four or five years. I played hockey down in Wilmington. You know, uh, I was a three gun shooter while I was down there and I traveled to these matches. I kept myself busy and I kept myself doing things that interested me. So, you know, you have the Marina there, you can go kayaking, you can go scuba diving, but like, what we're talking about is you have opportunities to improve yourself as a Marine by going out there and shooting competitively, because it's only going to benefit you increase your survivability and increase your lethality. If you ever go into an austere environment. Yeah. And what I'll add to that is um, honestly, I think I've had more fun in Camp Lejeune that I was stationed Miramar for four years and it's a beautiful duty station by, uh, by all means. And uh, while we're talking about places to go shoot, uh, if you are stationed in Camp Pendleton or Miramar, uh, Linea del Fuego, which is just the firing line um, in, in Spanish, they operate out of the Palace shooting range, and that's out near Temecula. Uh, it's on an Indian reservation, and they do three-gun IDPA and USPSA. That's actually where I got my start. And that's a really – I didn't realize, like, I that was the only match I'd ever experienced when I first started competitive shooting – and that is a very, very quality match. You wouldn't think it, but in California, the people that are into guns are really passionate about it because they all, I mean, the, the state has basically designated, like they have all have common enemy, um, not a fan of the state laws. And um, that, that kind of bonds the shooting community uh, closer together. So that that's a good time out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a good time drinking beers, playing video games in the barracks with your buddies. Um, having done a lot of that in my twenties and having been like a sweaty tryhard in a lot of video games, like call of duty, destiny, whatnot. Um, I had fun, but honestly, uh, a lot of my, a lot of my most cherished memories were not from doing online raids or that kind of stuff. It's from going out and doing things, shooting competitions and yeah, it's going to feel like I'm like ragging on video games specifically. I spent a lot of time playing them. And at a certain point, I realized like, hey, new game's going to come out and it's just going to wipe away my progress. I'd rather put my time into something that's going to last and that's going to carry over. So that's why I got into competitive shooting. So if you're interested in, and if you're not stationed in Camp Lejeune or Camp Pendleton specifically, there's a website you can go to in order to find ranges, matches, in your area and that is called practice score i'll put it in the show notes um all you have to do is register for an account you don't get spam email you don't get you don't you don't get flooded with a bunch of crap 
you it, it's just a, a database to where you know it's a place to register for matches it's a place to find matches and it's a place it's a database to see what results you uh your results from a match that's all it is and it's a it's kind of revolutionized the shooting sports rather than just having to search for a uh, through Google um, and try and find it and not find it with any really good luck. But you can find matches month by month by month, months in advance uh, to when you're even going to go out and shoot. So it, it, it's something that you can utilize to to get out there and actually go out and shoot. So uh, with, with everything that you've built, um, all the, the documents uh, you, you, you've, you've created, um, if Marines are wanting to actually create a team, um, those will be available to the, to, to the masses, I assume. Absolutely. I'm not about to just put them on Dropbox and put give them out to everybody. You got to ask for them, but I will absolutely give you the playbook. It's going to list the references, those Marine quarters I talked about before. I didn't go too far into them because if you're interested in starting your own shooting team, I will send you my order. And all the references are listed. They're all, uh, it's been through several revisions from multiple adjutants and S1 shops. So that, that order's, that order's pretty tight. Um, I, I will give you like basically the entire playbook. Uh, the rest of the work will be on you to advocate to your commands, um, to identify the ranges, to identify how you want to put your team together, how you want to recruit, how you want to retain membership, how you want to screen membership and what events that you want to go to and what's your ultimate end goal. Like where, um, is it just a way for Marines to get together and have a good time or are you, are you trying to go? Are you trying to go win some competitions? Either way, um, you're going to get some good shooting out of it. You're going to get some good marksmanship proficiency out of it. So it's a win either way. No, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I appreciate all the efforts you've made in increasing uh, the marksmanship at Camp Lejeune. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate all the efforts. No, thank, thank you. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I thank you. You, you, I bounced a lot of ideas off of you. Um, I think we started talking about this um, shortly after we ran the tactical games together. And uh, I appreciate you being a sounding board for things. Uh, if I may, I just have like some general advice that, and things, uh, little things that I've learned from uh, starting the shooting team uh, that I'd like to go over before we uh, wrap up the conversation. Absolutely. So uh, I touched on it in the beginning, but starting something is always the hardest. Um, you know, when the framework doesn't exist, that's some of the hardest work that I found that you will ever do, not just in the Marine Corps, but life in general. Right. Um, so, and there's a lot of, for lack of a better term, power brokers, uh, within the Marine Corps and figuring out like which ones you need buy-in from to effectively move your ideas forward is, is pretty important. Um, ultimately, like I told, I mentioned at the beginning, I wrote my order in August and it is still being reviewed. This is a long-term project. Do not get discouraged. Um, the, the, you're going to run into a lot of snags, but 
ultimately um, I've come to expect that I'm going to be at 12 years in, uh, in May. And I, I have no illusions about the way this institution is. Um, it, you're you're going to get orders sent back for, for um, me, menial things. Uh, there, there's going to be questions uh, from people who just don't understand what you're doing. And it's just an opportunity to improve on your product. Um, another bit of advice I'll give is that you still need to be good at your day job. Like if you are good at your day job and you're trying to start a shooting team, your command is not going to get behind you. Like your local leadership and everyone, uh, they are not going to be likely to support you. I'm currently a company commander. And if my Marines weren't getting trained and I wasn't taking care of them and my gear was falling apart, then my boss would be like, Hey, Frank, no way. I need you to actually be good at your job before you take on these extracurriculars. Um, and it's going to be a lot of work, but get some other people who are passionate, like find other people who you can uh, rely on and, uh, and use them. Like I, I've had the benefit of, um, having other people help me along. Like I had, um, Sergeant Faust from Marsoc help me as instructor for this last rifle range, uh, chief officer Hallmeyer. He also jumped on and he, uh, he helped me as instructor as well. So, um, you're going to need people to help. Um, our dry fire schedule, like that's another thing. If you can, by the time that I briefed the mid commander at a desk side brief, uh, I was able to tell him like, Hey, sir, my Marines practice four hours a week. It's not live fire because planning a range takes time, takes Marines away from their jobs. And it, it takes a village to put a range on. Right. But dry fire is cheap. And those weapons are just sitting in the armory anyway. And it's not like you're going to get them dirty. Um, honestly, if you go up to most armory chiefs and just say like, Hey, like, I mean, it happens anyway. That's what grass week is. You take weapons out of the armory and you just aim at a barrel. Um, it's no different with pistols or anything else. Or, uh, if you want to practice other things outside of the ARQ. So, um, ha having, but also I would say that by the time you hit the range, you have a plan and you're trying to, you're trying to hit a deadline. Dry fire gives you the ability to slow things down and isolate individual like problem shooters and talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. And you're not going to necessarily have that luxury on a live fire range where people are shooting around you and you can't necessarily have like a conversation, a one-to-one -one conversation. So that's just another pitch for dry fire. And honestly, that, that should be a habit um, that you groom as well. If you're good, if you're interested in becoming a competitive shooter, when you plan your first event, it has to go well. Um, not only from the command perspective, if you go out there and you absolutely punt it, they're going to be like, why, why are we wasting time on this? Um, I will speak plainly about our first event. Um, it was not ideal. It was a very cold day. Um, I talked to range control a little late. Uh, we were pushed like a hundred yards down the range from the road, uh, just so that we could accommodate the left and right lateral limits. And because we want to do some like shooting and moving. Um, but we did not get our ammunition until the early afternoon. And it took me going to the ASP and talking to the ammunition, talking to like the staff in CYC and saying like, Hey, look, like I'm the OIC of this range. And this is the first time doing a range in Camp Lejeune. And I take responsibility for everything that's gone. I'm not even going to go into what went wrong that day. And the blame's with me, right? I'm the OIC. Uh, but I was like, 
look, I, I have had Marines sitting out there in the cold all morning, just dry firing, waiting for the ammo. I got two Marines from the shooting team ready to instruct them. Is there any way we can still draw ammo and make sure that they get some training value out of today? And it goes back to what I said about face-to-face conversations. Um, ultimately, he was like, yeah, let's make it happen. And we were able to get some training value out of that day. And the Marines still had a good time. Like we, they were wet, cold, and miserable, but they were firing nine mil and uh, they were learning a lot. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, it, yeah. Um, the, but the other side of it is, if your first event doesn't go well and you just went around and you recruited a bunch of Marines um, and say, for example, if I hadn't gotten the ammo, all those Marines would have sat out in the field for half a day and they would have just gone home, just been like, hey, today was today was a wash. I don't really know if I want to do this mixed shooting team thing anymore. And so in one in one fell swoop, you could lose your commands uh, backing and you could also lose all interest from those Marines because like if you're starting a shooting team, that's a voluntary thing. You can't compel them to be there. They have to want to be there. They have to want to be there to become better shooters. And if you aren't providing them the means, then they're just going to go do something else with their time. Um, wrapping up here, but keep your commander informed of your successes. Like, Tell them, hey, the range went awesome. Here's some pictures. Invite them out to your events. They want to go see. They want to see Marines in the field. Like commanders want to get out from under, uh, from behind their desks, and they want to see Marines out there getting it. And like, like we talked about, like look at what civilian events are in the area, because right now, I, I think the best shooters are in the civilian crowd. Uh, I don't, I don't think the military has primacy over weapons, uh, over marksmanship anymore. I have learned more, almost all my learning has been from the civilian side. So I know a bit long-winded and uh, uh, jumped over a bunch of different topics, but uh, anything else to add, Matt? No, no. Uh, Like I said, I appreciate everything. I appreciate the efforts that you've done. Um, For those of you listening, reach out to me, reach out to Frank. We will point you in the right direction in order to make it happen. Um, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think and good luck in your endeavors. Have a good, have a good day.